tuning in to the Foundry Church Podcast, where our mission is to make disciples by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God. This week, Pastor Andrew reminds us how significant the gifts brought to Jesus were. They show us exactly who he was, is, and always will be. You can find more information about who we are, what we do, and when we meet at thefoundrychurch.com. God bless. Anthropologists will show, tell you all the time that signs are one of the most important things in a society, in, in any human culture, in any human society, that signs, no matter the time period, are important things. And I'm no professional anthropologist. I've, I've been to the store like once or twice. And so I'm not going to disagree with them, right? So let's think about it for a minute, Foundry Church. Let's say that after church today, right, in just a few moments, you decided to get in your car and you decided to go uh, maybe like downtown to go see the Christmas lights uh, that are on the National Mall. And you see a sign that says, Washington, D.C., 15 miles, right, however far we are from the city. Right? You, you see that sign, it says 15 miles, and, and then you, you notice another sign on your dashboard, or on, I'm sorry, on, on your window, on your windshield that says speed limit 45. And so now you know how fast to go and to be on the watch because you know that there's a police officer that's always sitting up there at the corner. And so now you know that you're about to enter into a speed trap. Right? And so as you get closer to the highway, uh, your, your dashboard has a blinking light, a sign, that says that you're running low on gas. And unlike my wife, Christina, and who just tries to see how far she can go on E, you decide, hey, I'm going to go and get some gas and do the responsible thing instead of just running out of gas. And so your first stop, let's just say you left somewhere else from the church, right? And so say your first stop is just the gas station that's up the, the hill up here, the, 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 what is it called, the Exxon, the, the express stop, right? You know what I'm talking about, the one with the, the cheaper gasoline, right? And so miracles of miracles, today you pull in and there is no line, right? And that never happens at that gas station up the road. But you pull up to the pump. And there's a sign that says, huh, pumps are on order, not working today, right? So no worries, because the next sign you see for a potential gas stop is the Exxon by Whole Foods. But as you get closer, you see a sign that says gas costs $5 a gallon. And you go, huh, figures, right? It's right next to Whole Paycheck. So you decide, that's the nickname for Whole Foods. See, I thought that one was going to land. All right. So you decide that maybe you'll try the gas station across the street from that Exxon. You know, the one that's down Old King Mill Road with the glittery dolphin, right? You guys know the one I'm talking about, right? The glittery dolphin gas station. And you, you pull up to the light at the intersection, ready to go to the glittery dolphin shell gas station. 
and you're looking at the street light, and you know that that's a sign as well, right? It tells you to, to stop, to go, to use caution when you cross the street. But before you, you pull out, you see another sign for the new pizza place, Pupatella's Pizza. And I don't know if I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Right? And you think, you know what? I probably should have lunch before I head into the city because the food trucks are just too darn expensive. Right? You guys see what I mean here? Right? Right, just in the, the time it takes us to get to the city, we're not even to the city yet in the illustration, right? there are signs everywhere that come into our life. Signs that tell us uh, wait, where we are, what we are up to, when to stop, when to go, when to be careful, when we're breaking the rules. There are signs absolutely everywhere. Signs are a powerful thing. Take a look at this, right? They communicate small things. And signs also communicate very large things, don't they? Big and large things, small things, right? Signs are how we identify things. Signs point the way to tell us which path to avoid. Signs are everywhere because, just as anthropologists would tell us, signs are important. They're vital to a society. The only trick with signs is that sometimes we can come a little overwhelmed with the signs and not which way to look and, and know which way to go. We are, we're paralyzed by the choices with all the signs. Right? We don't know if we should listen or if we should just ignore all the signs that are flashing in front of us. Now let me, let me explain it by looking at this picture. Right, you see this? All right, this is local, all right? Now, how many of you know what this is, all right? It's the, it's the, the famous mixing bowl, right? It, there's construction there, but that's obviously because there's always construction there, right? All right, this is the famous mixing bowl at the intersection that's just like 10 miles down Old King Mill Road, right? Down the road from here. Now, when Christina and I, we first moved here, it was for a job in the city, but we lived here in Burke. And we would, or I would, commute into the city. And the first time Christina and I drove uh, downtown, we came to this intersection, uh, or this mixing bowl, if you will. And there were approximately 500 signs telling us which way to go for each highway in the DMV, right? It's confusing. While Christina was driving, and I'm, I'm man enough to admit that Christina's the better driver in traffic, mainly because I'm not very Christ-like if I'm driving <laughs> in traffic. All right, so Christina was driving, and we slowed down to try to figure out which way to go, which signs to follow in this chasm mixing pool of signs and streets. So we were there. All right, basically in the middle of the highway, almost stopped, just, just staring at signs, not knowing which way. We were paralyzed by all the signs. Right? Cars are honking. People are giving us the, the one-finger salute. They're rolling down their windows. They're yelling. Right? And Christina is just staring. And so as calmly as I could, as politely as I could, right, a.k.a. I joined in on the yelling, I said, Christina, you got to go somewhere. What the heck are you doing? Right? Pick away and just go. Because, again, look, right? Signs are definitely important. We know that. We've talked about that for two weeks now. But only if you know what they mean and where you should go. Right? That's a, we got to have that foundation. And so Foundry Church, last week, right, we started a series of sermons leading up to Christmas called The Signs 
of Christmas. And we were reminded that there are a lot of signs at the Christmas season, during the the Christmas holiday. But the one that we need to focus on tell us not where we should go, but who we should follow, right? right? Last week, we talked about the star that guided the wise men to Jesus. That was the first sign. And that sign, the star, reminded us that God wants all people to follow Jesus. Not just the the Jewish people, not just the the good people, not the ones who think uh, they are perfect people, but all people. And that's what the, the sign of the star taught us last week. Right, that sign, the, the star pointed everyone to Jesus because Jesus came for everyone. And so this, this week, we're going to take a look at another sign right, that helps us to focus on the right things during the Christmas season. Right, we're going to turn back in our Bibles to the, the story of the three wise men. We'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 2. If you uh, have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. Matthew chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to take, to give away, to use. Matthew chapter 2, this is in the New Testament, the very first book of the New Testament. The Bible is broken up into two parts. And so uh, flip towards the back, and it's Matthew chapter 2. And that's where we're going to be. As you turn there, as a reminder... Uh, The wise men are astrologers, they're magicians, they're seers, they're they're wizards who came from the east to worship the king of the Jews. Now most uh, theologians believe that these wise men traveled several months, maybe even like a year, to see Jesus. Now quick spoiler alert, all right? Spoiler alert here. There is no mention that there were only three of them. There could have been many more, or there could have been only two. We're not sure. But the wise men, no matter how many there were, came to worship the king. So let's take a look at what happened. Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. So when they saw the star, talked about that last week. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, right? And they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen, there, there's a just keep your finger there because there is a lot to unpack in just these three short verses, right? First, look at what it says in verse 11. It says, they saw the child was with his mother. Right now, notice it didn't say baby, right? It, it didn't say baby. It says it says child. The story of the wise men is not one that takes place in the, the manger in Bethlehem. Right? Jesus is no longer just a little tiny newborn, a, a little baby. Right? The original Greek word here means young child. Or little one, right? This means that Jesus was probably around 6 to 18 months old. So Jesus was probably eating solid foods by now, but he wasn't running around the house tearing everything up. He was just kind of toddling around, all right? That's the age period of, uh, of Jesus at this point. 
So, so the, the wise men have, have come not to the manger, but to a toddler's home. Now, either way, this is pretty extraordinary. They are worshiping a child king. That's what they're doing, right? Jesus' age is important to know because the wise men brought gifts directly to Jesus. Right? You would think that Mary would get the gifts, right? She just gave birth, right? right? But they didn't bring the gifts to Mary. They didn't bring the gifts to Joseph's poor carpenter father. They brought gifts directly to the toddler toddling around baby Jesus. And I have to laugh at this point in the story because it's laughable that these grown men would bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to a little baby boy. It's funny, right? Growing up, it was kind of a running joke that my grandma Troop, my mom's mom, was the worst at doing this. The absolute worst. You should be sorry that I had to grow up in that environment, right? When I was five years old, my grandma got me a pickle plate for Christmas. A pickle plate. You know what a pickle plate is? Yeah, I don't know, right? And to make matters even worse, to add to the confusion, I don't even like pickles. They're not my jam, right? right? Just crazy stuff. The next year, she got me some pots and pans. Six years old. Pots and pans, right? I still don't even know how to turn the stove on. And I definitely did not know that when I was six, right? So every year, she would get me something just inappropriate, just something stupid, right? right? Just something not a six-year-old or a seven-year-old would want. And I just picture the look that I had on my face coming across the face of Jesus when these three men lay gold, frankincense, and myrrh at his feet. I mean, if Jesus is anything like me, he probably said, gee, thanks, right? <laughs> I, I can't express in words what I'm feeling right now, right? At least could have got me a donkey or something, right? But luckily, Jesus is not a whole lot like me. We should all be thankful. And so he probably responded a little differently. But really, though, right? Let's think about it. Right? Well, what was the point of these gifts? Why did the wise men travel for months upon months with these gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why these three things? What's, what's the big deal? So here's the thing. Right? It was common, especially in these Eastern cultures, that someone would never appear before royalty or a person of importance without bringing gifts. Okay, we get that. Right, they, they thought they were, they were traveling to see a king, so they brought gifts. And we already know that these magi, these, these astrologers, these magicians, these scientists, knew that they were coming to see a king. And so it makes sense that they would bring lavish gifts at that, right? Gold and frankincense, expensive spices. But what do they mean? Well, the, these gifts, they were a sign. They were assigned, just like uh, the star, and they showed everyone around who Jesus was. Now, let me, let me explain. Together, these three things were sort of, a, of the standard gifts that the Gentile nations would use to offer a king, uh, or at least someone uh, more than a king, someone who they thought was not just a uh, king of earthly realms, but someone who they thought of as a deity, Right? In fact, these same three items were apparently among the gifts recorded in ancient inscriptions that the king, uh, say, Lucas, can't believe I got that right on the first try, and Calinusius 
offered to the god Apollo in the temple in 243 BC. Same gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So even these uh, men, not being Jewish, these gifts they brought were signs showing everyone uh, that Jesus uh, was a king, was, was a, a god king. Right, but if we look a little deeper, we'll see that unknowing to these magi, these wise men, they were not just showing everyone around them that this was just any God. Right? Because back in this day, everyone's like, hey, I'm a God, I'm a God, all right? Right? No, like, but Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the big G God, not the lower G God. All right? So the only one who is going to give us everything that we need. Right, they brought gold. Right, gold was an expensive metal, as it is today. Gold was a, a valued trade commodity, right, in the ancient world. Right, because of its scarcity and immense value, gold was was particularly associated with with royalty and nobility. It was the the metal of kings and queens. We know that. But, but it is more than that. We looked at this verse last week, but let me remind you of what it says. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3 and verse 6 says this. All nations shall come to your light. Right? And the kings, right, to the brightness of your rising, they shall bring gold, frankincense, and they shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Right? In the Old Testament, it shows us that this, this gold will not be laid at the feet of any old king, but the king uh, that is the king that other kings will bow to, right? the king of kings. It was no small gift. It was a sign that all other royalty, that their gold was nothing, nothing compared to this king's riches, right? So look, right? take, a, take note of this. Gold is a sign pointing everyone to who Jesus is, the king of kings, right? The, the ultimate king, the king of both the heavenly realm and the earthly realm and everything else in all of creation. That's what gold represents, right? And then comes the frankincense, right? Frankincense, if you don't know, it's just a, it's like a tree resin, like a, a sap that was used for the incense that God's priest uh, burned in the temple during worship. And not just any priest. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 through 37. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, some weird spices that I don't know about, sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be an equal part. And then make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall uh, beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. All right. Then it says this. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you, holy to the Lord. Right? Holy just means set apart. Right? So this was just like a special mixture of spices that they would burn only for the Lord, for God in the temple. Right? Frankincense was the, the incense that the high priest would prepare themselves to be in the presence of God. 
It was the, what was burning, it was what was being smelled and, and covering the senses as they went into the temple to worship, as they were in the presence of God. Right? Frankincense was the smell they smelled when standing at the feet of God. Frankincense was the sign that they were in the presence of Yahweh. Right? And so when the wise men laid this frankincense, this, this main ingredient, this, this spice at the feet of Jesus, they were saying that Jesus came to be our new high priest. Right? And they were saying that Jesus was the presence of God on earth. Right? So take a note of this. Frankincense is assigned to everyone who, of who Jesus is, the high priest of heaven. Right? It used to be only, only the priest could enter the temple and, and go and interact with God. But now because of Jesus, he's our high priest. And we can have a relationship with God the Father in heaven. Right? So we got the king of kings. We got the high priest just from the first two gifts, gold and frankincense. And then there was myrrh. Myrrh is a fragrant spice that's derived again from a, like a sap of a tree that's native to the east. And myrrh, myrrh was the key ingredient in the mixture of spices that were used to prepare bodies for burial. It was an embalming spice, right? And just like the pickled dish that my grandma got me, I really, really don't recommend someone getting uh, myrrh for their toddler, Right? <laughs> That's just kind of creepy, isn't it? Right? Embalm, like Clara, here you are. <laughs> Embalming ingredients, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just not an appropriate gift for a child, right? If she's not mad at you by the, the embalming fluid, her parents are going to be like, what is going on here? Right? But, but here is what this shows us. This, this little child, the, 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 the wise man came to worship. He came for a reason, didn't he? He, he came to die for us. Right? Myrrh points to Jesus suffering and dying for the sins of the world. Myrrh shows us that this, this toddler was not just a, a small child. He was a, a toddler who would grow up and live a perfect life and become a man who would eventually die a horrible death and then three days later rise from the dead. Right, so, so the gift of myrrh, right, myrrh is assigned to everyone of who Jesus is. He's the Savior of the world, our God, Savior of the world. Like, the gifts from these wise men were a sign for everyone to, to see who Jesus is. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right, every one of these gifts showed everyone a part of what he came to do, a part of who he is. There would be no doubt in anyone's mind that this toddler, this baby, that these magi, that these wise men came to worship was there to do something more, something greater, something powerful, that they, that they were going to be a part of something bigger and greater and powerful. That this baby was going to change the world. Every gift they gave, everything they brought and laid at the feet of Jesus was assigned to everyone around them. Of who he was. <laughs> that, that, that Jesus is, is the king of kings. That, that Jesus is our high priest, our, our mediator, God the Father, right? He's the one who's the savior of the world, right? So here's the question that we got to be uh, looking at today, that we got to be confronted with this question. How are your gifts showing others who God is? 
All right, because, because the, the wise men's gifts showed exactly who Jesus is. So how are our gifts showing others who he is? Right, every single one of us has been given a gift from God. But are you using it to show others who God is? Or are you using your gifts for everything but God? Right? Are, are, are your gifts your signs, right? However we want to creatively word it, pointing others to someone. Or are they pointing to something else that we hold dearer, that we think is more important than God? Or worse, are you still sitting off in the east, right? Like some, I'm sure some other wise men were, some other magi who saw the star. They're like, oh, that's cool. Right? And they didn't get off their rear ends. And go worship the king and show others who this king is, even though they didn't completely understand it. Of course, God doesn't need our gifts, right? He gave them to us in the first place. But he definitely wants us to use those gifts for his glory, for his honor, to guide people to forge that lifelong reliance on him. right? To, to use them as a sign, right? To those around us that this is what Jesus looks like. This is who he is. This is what he can do for you because this is what he's done for me. This is how Jesus acted. This is what Jesus does. This is his grace and his truth. Right? Can you play an instrument? Can you, can you sing? I certainly can't. Right? But we have people who, who lead us in worship. Right? Maybe, maybe you're just singing in your car and you, you can help out, right? Or you can be like uh, Bella, who's, who's downstairs in the nursery right now, playing for the babies in the nursery, her guitar, right? Are you using your gifts as a sign to those around you that God is creative and he loves music? That's just one example. Are you a good listener, right? Can, can uh, people come to you and, and share things with you and you can, you can pray for them? You don't have to have the answer, but you can say, you know what? Me too. I struggle too. Let's just pray to God for some help, right? And maybe if that's you, maybe that means joining a small group in, the, in, the, in January when we launch those again, right? Being there in the community to help each other, using your gifts of listening, Another example, right? Are, are you great at business? Are you killing it in the corporate world? Are you making lots of money? What are you using that gift for? Right? Are you using uh, your, your resources to grow God's kingdom? Are you tithing? Are you supporting missions? Right? Can you lead or teach? Can you provide some wisdom? Right? Or can you preach? Can you, can you uh, share your, your strong faith with someone who has a, is going through some tough time and their faith is a little weak right now? Right? Can you serve? Can you show mercy or hospitality? Those are all spiritual gifts that are listed in God's word. Listen, everyone has been given a gift. Right? I, I promise and everyone's gift is a sign that points to who Jesus is. Right? This week, I know you all do it. I know there's some people here that say, hey, I don't use social media. That's a lie. Everyone uses social media. <laughs> right, you're on your computer. You're on websites. You're on YouTube. All right? There's a way that you can use um, your gift with the, on social media, like with the, the, what's his name? The elf. Buddy, you can share that, right? Invite people to church like Christina said. All right? I forgot the movie. All right, but we're also going to be posting... Buddy the Elf, all right. 
We're also going to be posting this week on social media like um, a, an assessment tool where you can just click on it, you can log in, uh, you, can, you can answer some questions, and it'll help you discern your spiritual gifts as according to, to God's word. Now, if some of you have just done this with the, the Bible studies that just finished up a couple weeks ago, rooted, right? But we're going to add that online, and you can, you can find out kind of where your strengths lie, right? Or if you just have a, an ability, a talent, right? Think about what can you use that ability, that talent for, right? I, I love what Pastor Jim uh, says the last few weeks as he was kind of launching the, the kids' Uh, for going downstairs all hour, right? He says everyone has to have a God job, right? We have our hospital on Sunday morning. We have all kinds of God jobs. I mean, maybe you're not plugged in yet. We have our hospitality and connections team. They're responsible for all the food, all the resources out there on the on the shelves, the the signups, welcoming. They quite literally open the door, right? <laughs> right? We they're responsible for all of that. We have our worship team. I already used them as an example. We have our our production team back there who has to work overdrive because our system's always crashing, right? We have, we have our kids team downstairs, right? So there's all kinds of God jobs. We have our food pantry during the week. We have all these things. But we also have the gifts that you're blessed with that are given to you by God to use for his glory, for his honor. So as the, the band comes back up, I want to close with this, All right, as, as uh, Christina and I and my mom, we were driving home from Kentucky after Thanksgiving, and Christina, she was so excited to play uh, Christmas music for the first time right, on the radio, uh, to play her Christmas playlist, and, and to be honest, I didn't let her play it for a long time because I was listening to a book um, on, on the, I guess it's not really CDs anymore. You stream it. It's like Bluetooth. Yeah. All right. So finally, uh, she's like, all right, I'm listening to Christmas music. And she puts it on there. Right before I fall asleep, I hear a song that usually frustrates me every year when I hear it. But as I was preparing for this sermon, it made me think of that song in a different light. And the song is this, A Little Drummer Boy. All right. What a stupid song. All right. What a, what a stupid song. I've always thought this was just a ridiculous song because I may not have a child, but I know that it is a terrible idea to bring a drum to a baby shower. Right? Stupid. Right? Right? You don't do that. Listen, that's worse than a pickle plate. Right? Right? I can guarantee that Mary did not want a little boy running around playing the drum. Right? And Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And babies do not like drums blaring in their ears when they're trying to take a nap. Right? They cry. Right? But here's the thing, church. I think there's a lesson that we can learn from this little drummer boy. At a, at a casual listen, this song, you know, it has many uh, pa pump pumps right? Doesn't it? <laughs> And it's not immediately obvious what's going on. Right? The, the song opens as the drummer boy narrates with, with the magi, these wise men recruiting him to join their journey to go see Jesus. Right? They say, come, they told me, a newborn king to see our finest gifts to bring. Did I sing that in the tune? Not even close. Now, apparently, right, the, the drummer boy agrees to come along on this journey. And we, we just learned that it, 
could have been a long one. And the, the lyrics, they fast forward to him gathered around the young Jesus, acknowledging his poverty, this drummer boy, admitting that he has no gift like gold, frankincense, and myrrh to bring that's really fit for a king, but he does have a drum. And so he asks, shall I pray for, or play for you? To which in the song, Mary probably rolls her eyes and says, sure. Right? Right, this, is, this is where the story really falls off the wagon. But nonetheless, right, the, the drummer boy, he plays, and he plays his best. And then Jesus smiles, it says in the song. Right, so, so here's the thing. Right? I, I think this, this sort of scenario has played over and over and over again for thousands of years. Right, Worshippers of Jesus, like the Magi and the drummer boy, bring their gifts to Jesus big, extravagant, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and small. A drum made out of a hide of a goat. And those gifts compel their neighbors to come and see come in and experience their king, their high priest, their savior, because he's the savior of the world, their savior too, right, and, and we have, all we have is this drum, guys, Hunter church, right, all, all we have is just these two hands, right, all we have is just fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Right? And we think, man, what in the world? What in the world could I ever do that could be enough for this king, this high priest, this savior of the world? And so we stand before the king of kings, the high priest of heaven, the savior of the world, and ask, do you want this stupid drum? Do you want it? That's all I got, Jesus. The stupid drum. He says, yes. He says, yes. And so we play it for him. Or in my case, I would give it to him. <laughs> or we listen with him. Right? And we do it to the best of our ability, declaring to the world that we are small, that we are weak. Yes, all of us sitting here today, all of us watching online are sinners. Every little speck of nothing that we are. We're going to give it to him so that others might just get a small idea of who he really is. High king. King of kings. High priest. <laughs> Makes us right before God of the universe. He's the savior of the world. What do you have that you can give to him? How are you using your gifts to bring him glory, to bring him honor, to make him known in this world. Let's think about that as we stand and continue to worship with one more song.